Okay, everybody, welcome to the Neighbourhood Rewatch podcast, the only classic Neighbours Rewatch podcast. Uh, I am joined today by Adam. All right. And by Tim. Morning. So, morning. Are you on Australian time? Is that what it is? Yep, that's what it is. Uh, of course, as always, a shout out uh, Daily Motion to the site uh, Neighbours UK Fans Forever, who has over 4,000 episodes. We'll work our way through them. Whoa, as well as the that, <laughs> 4 thousand of you yeah we've got this this podcast is going forever uh so jeff is dying to tell uh ben that is his father but ruth really doesn't want it she wanted to tell the kids first so she tells the kids she grabs it she she gets caitlin lance and Anne all together and tells and, and the kids are very understanding about that but then caitlin she goes off on the side, and she and she tells Ben that Jeff is is uh, is his father, uh, and then goes to tell Jeff that she's told him, and then goes to tells Ruth that she's told him. So they all, the three of them, they go to Ben. Ben is not happy at all about this. He screams at Jeff, absolutely screams at Jeff, and then as he's screaming at him, he gets up and walks. Ben, who's been struggling, who has been struggling with, with walking again, feeling in his legs and, and getting, getting used to the idea that he might be a cripple for the rest of the life. This, this shocking news of Jeff being a father, it brings out a miracle in him, would we say? I, uh... <laughs> you're, not, you're not impressed, yeah. are you? Um, no, I know what you're saying. Like, he, he forgot himself for a moment and in the heat of the moment, he got up. And he, he he went he went for Jeff, didn't he? Really, it wasn't just that he was at like standing up because he was annoyed. He actually went for him. Um, so I feel like Jeff is an absolute legend. He sorted this out. He's Ben would be still being a little bitch, not getting out of bed. Oh, I can't walk. He wasn't even fucking trying for me. Wasn't even <laughs> trying. I predicted, or oh, he'd go like into a bit of a downward spiral. And all that, I feel like he didn't even give that a chance. He was li- he won- he didn't grow a beard. What's wrong with him? Like, he's just, like didn't even try a wheelchair. From what I saw, I know we miss a couple of episodes out on the podcast, but it looked like he'd gone from "Nah, I can't do this," not bothered, to standing straight up. I feel like there should have been a bit in between where he was like struggling a bit, but he shot straight up. Although, as it goes on. Jeff starts to help him with his rehab a little bit. I'm sure you'll explain that later. Um, and there is a bit more despair. So I feel like it just was kind of the wrong way around. But nice to see Ben standing up and not How doing that voice meant... anymore. How long's meant to have gone between the accident and him standing up? Have we got any idea? Two weeks. Two weeks, I'd say. Maybe three. Or yeah, two it's, it's, it's bullshit then. If... If some development had happened over a longer period of time, and it was, yeah, then some kind of, you know, the energy and the mo- the emotion that got to him in that moment, and he jumped up, then that's, I mean, it's it's a soap, but fine, it's it's arguable, but two weeks, he was just being lazy, <laughs> just being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to bring up the point that the physio is absolutely fucking ecstatic about this when he realizes that Ben stood up and tried to fucking chin Jeff. He's absolutely started about it. While everyone else, and he doesn't read the room at all, this physio. <laughs> he, uh, he does it. He's, he's fucking taking all the credit. Well made up. 
uh, while everyone else is dealing with the news that, you know, Jeff is his father and you abandoned him, you know, 20 some odd Well, the physio doesn't know that shit. All the physio wants is for his patient to stand up and walk. Fucking brilliant for no, but, him. but the physio doesn't acknowledge, oh, is there a bit of family history? And they go, I think Caitlin's goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Some, you know, you could call it that. And he's like, oh, well, fuck it. My job's just been made easier. This cunt can walk. That's that's three months off my contract. <laughs> well, then is he going to get paid? Jeff, he's like, that's it. He, he might have been paying by, getting paid by the hour there to help Ben walk. Come walk, No, mate. I think he's on a set contract because he's way too happy about what's just gone down. You get a, I think, a bonus for the result. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. But I think he's there just to get people to walk and he's like, well, I just I can take three months holiday now because this guy's already proved he can walk. Yeah, insurance fraud of some kind, I reckon. He was faking it. They made a little bit of an arrangement. Mm. It's like, yeah, if you leave it like sort of two weeks, just pretend you can't do anything, we can sign that off. Yeah, definite cripple. Probably never walk again. Two weeks later, everyone gets paid. Put the voice <laughs> on if you can. You know, <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll add to it. <laughs> so as we go on with the storyline, uh, so Jeff, after this violent outburst by Ben, decides that he's going to leave. He's like, no, I'm, I'm off. I'm going to give him space. He doesn't want to see me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and as he's saying goodbye to him, he talks about his medal. And that just sort of wins Ben over. He's like, oh, maybe this guy isn't so bad. And then Ruth comes in and has a chat with him after, after Jeff's gone. And Ruth's like, yeah, he's, you know, after 20 years, I still like speaking to him. He's still a nice guy. And then Jeff, the, the tie turns for Jeff completely. And he's like, right. He comes, he comes, but he goes to Ruth's house. says, right, I'm relocating. And Ben's going to come and live with me. And he's going to do Just like that. Home. Just like that, yeah. Well, not just like that. Because the point I want to make here is that how many fucking times... Does Jeff go to Ruth's, go to the hospital, goes back to Ruth's, goes to the coffee shop, goes to Ruth's, goes back to the hospital. There is about 17 trips in between all this happening. See, I, my favourite bit with all this was when um, Jeff was saying he was le- he was leaving and he was kind of doing it from a doorway and he was doing it like, um, like something like from the office or something, the English <laughs> office, when he was like, I'm, I'm going to go then. What was that? I'm going to I'm going to leave. I think it's best for everyone. And then he was starting to leave and he go, what? Do you want me? No, I was, he was doing literally like that. It's <laughs> like when you're ready to leave and you just want, you're desperate for someone to say, nah, come on, stay. No one's saying that. But I'm at the door now. I'm just going to just gonna open this door and then I'm going to walk out and then shut it behind me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go now. For a second then, when you were doing that, I thought you were genuinely speaking to someone then. (laughs) That looked like somebody was there. I thought, oh, we're going to have to pause this recording because he's talking (laughs) to somebody again. And so everyone's won over by Jeff all of a sudden. But I don't get why. This guy's got zero fucking charisma. There's literally nothing extraordinary about this guy at all. He's the most average fucking guy. Phil Martin isn't won over. He's a bit put out by all this. No. He uh, is a little bit of a... B storyline, C storyline, maybe even a D storyline at this point. Phil, yeah, Phil, Phil's not too happy about how much time Ruth is spending with Jeff uh, and worries that he's, he's, he's losing her a little bit. But again, I don't see it. He's, what the fuck is it about this guy? He's got nothing, in my opinion. He's got, he's got a medal. No he's got a medal. 
Is that is that what he's dining off? Is it the medal? You've dined off far worse than a medal, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> Fucking hell, if that's what we're doing. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to be impartial. Who do you think's better looking, Jeff or Phil Martin? <laughs> Takes a sip of the wine. <laughs> I literally can't even remember what Jeff's face looks like. He's that much of a non-entity. I, I can't even picture his face. Whereas but I know what Phil Martin looks like. But former swimmer, pretty good body, I imagine. Um, good head of hair, <laughs> Phil Martin, nowhere. And a little, like, I think he owned a news agent at one point. Not the best. You know, I, yeah. I'm going to pile on the, the same question that I, I forgot for a second what the medal was for and I was about to ask, but then you just said about the swimming thing and I remembered. That's not that's not a good medal. That doesn't make him a good person. That makes him a competitive twat 20 years ago. This sounds like someone who never got a medal in swimming or, <laughs> or, or, or finished like last in swimming. You know how much of a bellend I am. I got yep. plenty of medals for being a bellend. So we're going to move on to the Carl, Sarah, Susan storyline now. Uh, formerly known as the Carl, Sarah storyline, but Susan seems to be getting more involved in this now and, and bringing something new to this storyline, just as we thought it might be getting a bit stale. Because Susan is having a great time with Kim, who is not a girl, is a boy. So she's living out, 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 out west with a boy, and she's having a great time with him. And Carl is not happy about this at all. He's very insecure about it. Um, also, Libby Darren has bought Libby a moped. <laughs> you really have written down every detail. I know, you? yeah, this is fucking <laughs> big news. <laughs> it's a red it's one. It's a red one. It's a very nice red one, and it has a nice little beef on it as well. It's just a nice little jaunty beef. Yeah, so and Carl's not happy about this either, really. He's really, he's concerned. That, uh, that Libby's going to hurt herself on this. Uh, and then Susan's having a go around on it as well. So Carl is really not happy. Every, everything just, nothing seems to be going right for Carl in this, this week of episodes at all. He's just, he seems pretty miserable, if I'm honest. Uh, is this the plot twist where the moped becomes an evil character? <laughs> Possibly. We'll get to predictions about the moped later on. <laughs> There's absolutely predictions about this moped. See, so you're saying Carl's had a shit week. The biggest point, I don't know why you've started with the moped in this storyline. <laughs> weird, if I'm being honest. Sarah says to his face, and Sarah's the hottest one on the show. I don't think that's even open for debate at all. No, I think Maybe you're absolutely mass. right. Maybe a massive debate. Um, she says she loves him to his face. She does. She gets a lift off him one morning. And uh, yeah, on the way back home. She says, oh, I'm, I'm still in love with you, Carl. But she's like, I'm, it's, it's my problem. I will get over it. It'll be fine. And yeah, Carl, Carl seems happy with that. He, you know, it's maybe, maybe it's clear the air at this point. Uh, so, so, Carl's, so Carl's seemingly getting back on track. And he, seem, you know, he seems to have sorted out his demons. But he can't get hold of Susan now because Susan's out having a great time with Kim again. They've got no food in the house. It's Monday. They've not thought to go shopping at all. And had a look and gone. Oh well, there's a, uh, you know, there's some some carrots in the, in, in the cupboard. And I thought, oh, do you know, what? fuck it, actually, we'll just go out for a meal instead. 
What <laughs> what I would like to add at this stage is, like you said, Kim, who's a boy. Now Susan is a t- like a head teacher at a school, so I just want to make it clear to everyone that Kim is not just like a boy that she's take like she's taken off from a school trip and just brought to her house. Kim is the PE teacher at the school, so bit of a hunky chap. Nothing seems to be. He's a PE teacher. No, again, don't see it. He's, <laughs> he he's the got swimmer. the same blank you face don't want as the PE teacher. Right, what are you looking for in a man here? Because I'm a bit worried. <laughs> a, a memorable face? Memorable Just some sort face. of distinguishing features like or a personality. The man. <laughs> at least I know what he looks like. I could do a drawing of people at the man. same to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Carl, you know, Carl is not happy at all this week. He's very sexually frustrated as well. He has not got his end away once this week. Because Susan's been away Monday to Friday. And because of Kim showing up uh, on the Saturday night for, for dinner, he, he's not got his end away there either. And then Susan's, she's too tired on a Sunday night because she needs to leave early again to get back to school. So he, he, he's gone a whole week and he's really not happy about this at all. Uh, I feel like you're psychoanalyzing this. Also, not getting sex for a week. At at what point is is like Carl's just sat down on the sofa and they've done a voiceover to describe his thoughts, and he's just like, "Oh, blue balls is a bitch." (laughs) (laughs) They don't need to because the actor, uh, what's his name? Alan Fletcher. Alan Fletcher. He's wrote four pages of shit. Written all over his face. (laughs) I see. I think he's he's more the fact that he's he asks at one point he asks Susan oh he's he's came out with his girlfriend or something like that and she says no nah, he hasn't got one and then then that's a good face from from Alan Fletcher the actor who plays Carl Kennedy he is you can tell by his face he's like whoa hang on I thought because he is such a hunky PE teacher he would have a girlfriend but he obviously hasn't my wife is co-inhabiting with him they're going out for meals when they have and I quote a limp carrot in the fridge their words not mine um, <laughs> so i think that's when it turns for him and i know we're not doing predictions just yet but i think maybe if he in his head he starts imagining susan and kim together if only he had someone at home who, he, who maybe took a shine to him could i do. don't know somebody could have retaliatory sex with good word well done Thank you. I almost got it all out then. It's not only sexually frustrated, he gets absolutely power played by Darren. Because Carl is really upset that Darren has bought this moped for Libby. And he says to Darren, I wish you'd have consulted me about it before buying it. And Darren went, I don't even need to ask you, mate. And Carl does nothing. He's completely fucking power played. He's got no answer to that at all. I think he, I think he How old is Libby at this point? 20s? Early 20s? Yeah. Well, she go, She gets the moped because she's got back into uni. So it, sound like, it sounds like when she speaks that she's been in uni for a couple of years. Maybe she's quit or she's left for whatever reason and she's trying to get back in. So I would say... And she's working at the behind the bar at Lou's. So I would say 
20, 21 or something. She's not she's not that old. She's done a bit of uni, but she's going back. So 2021, I reckon. She looks pretty young. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a power play, though. That's just a dick move. Like, you know, Carl's just trying to be a dad. I think it, it, if you're met with someone who doesn't understand that basic idea, what can he say? Yeah, Darren... For me, for me, I've I've gone off Darren over these these episodes. I really don't like this guy now at all. Um, like the way he speaks to his girlfriend's dad is terrible about the whole moped thing. Like the absolute balls to to say that to Carl, I think is. is, is but maybe Carl's been giving him shit for a while. What? And I think Darren's right. Like you, I didn't have to ask for your opinion. Like he's bought his girlfriend a present. And he's got an okay with her dad. She's not like she's 21 or whatever. She's not 12. What the fuck are we doing? They're adults. Who does Carl think he is? The prick. Wow. <laughs> opposing, opposing views there. Um, also, Susan and Libby spend most of these episodes getting absolutely fucking smashed. Susan has never got a, a glass of wine out of her hand at any point. Except for the very last scene in the morning, probably because it's at the side of her bed and she can't fucking stomach it. But she's got wine in her hand for the whole five fucking episodes. And when she's um, in her other hand, she's got a bottle of wine and she's topping up Libby's glass constantly. She's a teacher. That's what gets you through the week, my friend. <laughs> uh, and with the storyline, Sarah as well. Uh, so she gets set up on a blind date. Ben urges uh, Darren and Libby to, to set him up on a blind date. So she, she does get a son set up a blind date with a guy called Andy Becker, uh, who shows up to this date late. And when he meets her, just absolutely ogles her. Spends a good 10 seconds just ogling her. And then later on, when Sarah comes over to get a lift in the morning with Carl, Kim is there. He spends another good 10 seconds just ogling her. Literally, no one says it. The scene completely fucking stops. As, and he just, he literally puts his arms in and just ogles her for about 10 seconds. And then the dialogue starts again. Right, again. <laughs> you are the worst person I have ever met for just... <laughs> staring at girls, completely <laughs> losing any concentration, train of thought, or fucking brain function whatsoever. So, and, and I'll be honest with you, Sarah is at least an 11 out of 10. So I don't know what, I think you would, like, no joke, I think you would actually die. Dead. <laughs> like, brain, stop. It'd be worse than Ben's coma. You'd, you'd have that, you'd have, you put on the same voice, It'd be horrendous. You really think she's that beautiful? That it... no, I think you're that pervy. Oh right, okay. you, you say this is what I would do if I ever met. This her. is you. This is you. So I don't think you, you know people in glass houses and all that shit. I think she is hot. I've said that a couple of times. I think she's. We need to get her on the show. I think she's brilliant. But I think you would be. I. I. I, I can't. I would love to see it happen. I'd love to see it. <laughs> I, that's the point. Though. Like what? What? Was your point in pointing that out? Are you saying, oh, yeah, that's disgusting? How is it actually relevant to the storyline? No, I just think it's... 
Well, the point I want to make is, do you think Sarah is aware of all this ogling that's going on? Do you think she's aware? Hot girls of- always know the hot. Okay, well, there we go. Tim, I'll, you can give the long answer in this one. It, you know, do you think she's aware of, of her beauty and what she can do to other men? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, but I think Adam said it. I don't, it doesn't need to be longer than that. Um, I think, I don't know, it's probably a different time when they were making this and I don't know whether they were just trying to be funny or this is why I was asking you what your point was about it. Were you saying it was just a weird moment or? No, I think it's really funny because it absolutely stops the scene dead mm. for, for 10 seconds. But yeah, my, the, the point I'm driving at is, is Sarah a bit stupid or is she actually clever? Is she, because she tells Ben about Carl she, she tells Ben the first name of the person that she's in love with and goes, it's Carl. And Ben goes, well, there's only one Carl in this fucking neighbourhood. So it's obviously Carl fucking Kennedy. Is she a bit stupid and naive or is she playing a bigger game here? I think she's a bit stupid. You think she's a bit stupid? Just in general, like, as, as I said, I think last time, she's supposed to be doing this nurse's course. Still, I've watched <laughs> over five episodes now. She's done absolutely no fucking work. <laughs> Apparently now she's only work. I don't know what happened. I think Harold's part time and she's working the other couple of days. Um, so it's not like she's learning on the job or anything. It's coming out with that. Oh, I'm seeing this mar- like I'm seeing this married guy. It's Carl. Oh well, yeah, Carl Kennedy. We all know him. He lives on the same street. It. I think she is a bit stupid. Yeah, and even like when she when she said to him, "Oh, I I, I I'm in love with you, but don't worry about it." No way it could be manipulative. Or not not even manipulative. She probably doesn't want anything back from it. She just wants the drama. Maybe. Maybe that's a good point. That is a good point that I didn't think of. Some people do just get addicted to the drama. I do quite like it. I like to stay out of it, though, and just watch. Just like to, just to, like to watch. Okay. Right. We're going to move on to the Tony and Lou storyline next. So for me, this is the best storyline going on in this 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 cluster of episodes here. Uh, so Toadie is in uni now, and he's up to his uni stuff, and there's a uni scavenger hunt going on. And so all the uni students have got to get certain items, and they all have corresponding points totals. Now, the helmet that's in Lou's bar, that was Ben's. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's the Barry Sheen one. I apologise. Who's Barry Sheen? Right, uh, some famous driver, it's a bike driver or something. I don't know. It wouldn't be a bike driver. Bike driver? <laughs> it wouldn't be a bike after the fucking car crash that they had last week, would it? He, he nearly remembered. I nearly remembered. Yeah, I know. I nearly, that was my I fault. I was trying, Considering I was I've to... made six pages of notes, there's a lot of me. <laughs> the fucking script gonna... wasn't that long. Yeah, there, there is a, I think it's going to be a continuing theme of the show. Uh, so t- Tony needs this helmet because the top prize is the midnight slot on the uni FM, on the uni radio station. And Toadie desperately wants this. So he asked Lou for the helmet. Lou's like, no, not happening. So Toadie comes up with a plan and he distracts Lou with a phone call and makes Lou go in the office. But Lou's got one over him here because he's, he's attached an alarm system to this helmet. So when Toadie tries to get it, alarm goes off, he's caught red-handed. But Toadie, undeterred, goes again. And this time he brings some bolt cutters and he's successful and he gets away with the helmet. 
Lou chases after him, uh, but Toadie reassures him that it will return safe and sound. This, again, is my favourite storyline of the whole of these episodes. Uh, first of all, Toadie, no signs of the concussion. That storyline's been dropped, I think. This guy had a potential concussion last time. Remember, though, we missed a few episodes out. We didn't watch all the episodes there. So we've missed a week's worth of episodes. You don't get over a concussion in the space of three days, I don't think. It might be a week. It could be more. No, I think the general, I think how it goes generally is that an episode is a day or is a 24-hour span at least. I don't think there's massive time jumps in between. Um Yes, but if it was only a suspected concussion, then he might not have even had a concussion, so he could be fine. But why suspect that? Why drop that? The dangle that character. Well, there? I, I, I told I told you this last week. The only reason that the thing happened to Toady was to set up the changing of the lifeguard people. Toady was irrelevant otherwise, so they they could kind of acknowledge it for one episode, but then he did it. He said though. But yeah, so they can just, they can make it realistic and Who's say, they? oh well, maybe something's wrong. Who's they? I don't I don't know. Um, I feel like I feel like someone might be pulling the strings here, but I don't know. <laughs> so I want to talk about Toadie's phone call uh, when he's trying to trick Lou to distract him and go in the office so he can stick the helmet. He puts on a lisp, and it's potentially the worst lisp I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I don't, it's worse than Ben's brain damage lisp. Let's put it that way. Whoa, I'm gone. <laughs> you have a problem with that statement? Uh, well, you've, you've just like, that's like a mild speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> impediment, mild speech impediment that you've just likened to brain damage, which I feel like some people might take offense to. Not me, I think, or whatever, but I feel like you've been quite broad there with, with, you, with what you're saying. Also, a fake speech impediment compared to real brain damage. And you're like, it's the worst you've ever heard. Well, <laughs> well, Ben's is not real. Ben said he had brain oh, damage, well. said he couldn't walk, and he, he proved both of those false in these episodes. Like, he gets, he springs up, like, again, I'm going to go back to Ben's storyline here. Ben springs up to punch Jeff and then spends the next couple of episodes pretending he can't walk again. Like he realizes, he realizes that he he can actually walk, but then actually downplays it and pretends he can't walk again. What's, anyway. your, beef with the, what's your beef with the lisp, though? What's the problem? Why does he need to put on a lisp to do a, he didn't to, want to do a he, phone call? Because he, he didn't want to do his own voice. Because then Lou would be like, "Oh, Toadie, it's you on the phone, you cheeky scamp." But, <laughs> but why? Uh, <laughs> I just don't get why he puts on a lisp. What would you? Have thought of? Your voice a little bit deeper, a little bit higher. Try any other sort of accent. What would you have done? A little bit deeper. Quite a bit like that. <laughs> That's horrendous. <laughs> That's horrendous. That's still you. <laughs> uh, also, so so Toadie has got the the helmet. He's also curated a lot of other items as well, and he's borrowed Lou's car. So. Lou realizes that he's he's shoving stuff into the car. He's nicked, I think, a parrot. I think he's nicked Carl's parrot, if I'm correct. 
So Lou's like, no, I'm not having this. I'm not having animals in the car. This is fucking ridiculous. So he goes out to confront Toadie. And then out of fucking nowhere comes a fucking sheep. And on top of the, the, on top of the reveal of the sheep is this, what I'm going to say is a precursor to the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. It's this jaunty little piano. I, if I've got some time tonight, I am going to try and re-edit that video with the Curb Your Enthusiasm music on top of it. It is absolutely glorious. And it is my, the favourite thing that I've, I've seen in Neighbours so far. Adam, do you want to shit all over that moment for me? <laughs> no, I, I, well, I thought it was funny when the sheep appeared because, you know, <laughs> sheep. I, I honestly, I, I, you are, obviously you're making all these notes and everything. I'm just kind of watching it and like whatever. I didn't notice the, any tunes and stuff like that. I thought it was good that the sheep appeared because, <laughs> oh, look, a sheep. We love a comedy but, sheep. Yeah, but other than that, you know, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it though. <laughs> I really did. It really, it, it really, it really made my week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lie. So it's fair to say this, this is like the comedy relief storyline. Yes, very much so. That, that's that's, to- that's Toddy's whole role in this, right? Yeah, Nine I think it's probably out of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, another point I want to bring up as well is, who the fuck is this mum that? That Toadie is mum and kid that Toadie is hanging around with and make and brings them everywhere with. So he's retelling the story of the helmet to this mum and kid. And then he brings them along to the radio station as well. And then brings them inside the recording booth. Who the fuck is this, is this mum and kid? They're not in I, they're not the in the opening segment. We miss episodes out, so I don't know who they are. Yeah, I, I don't know who the fuck they are either. But there's literally just a random mum and a kid. At one point, I thought they were just going to leave the other kid to look after Lolly. I thought that's what was just going to happen. They were there just to look... That kid was just there to look after Lolly while Toadie and this random mum just went off and did radio antics. Maybe she goes to uni. Maybe you met her at the start of uni because he's only just joined. Maybe she's a... A A mature student, maybe. That's a good point. Maybe. That's a good point. Uh, so Tony does, he, he wins the, uh, the graveyard shift and he's really happy about it. But the, the station manager, what a cock. What an absolute cock. Cuts his dreams down instantly and tells him he's there because they have to, because they have to broadcast at those times. But he, uh, he's, he's definitely a dick. He's, that's his role. However, I also think he's, he's completely wrong in one of the things he says. He says... So told it, oh, like you say, it's it's got to fill this slot on the night out, maybe just having takeaways, staying up late, getting to know each other, and maybe listening to some tunes on the radio while they do it. I think for a uni radio station, fucking midnight till five Prime is a time. pretty fucking good shift to get, to be honest. Especially because the, the students will be, they'll know that it's being produced by one of their own. Well, I just think in general, like, I, I imagine most of, maybe most of the stage, like DJs on there are uni-based people, maybe, but maybe the older ones. Mm. Um, but I feel like that's a great shift. And Toadie, because he's a bit of a, well, loose cannon, he's going to get away with loads of shit. He can do what he wants. I think he's, he's landed on his feet there, and I think he's going to be very successful with it, prediction. 
prediction there. Yeah, I think he's he's gonna he's gonna prove this this radio station manager wrong, isn't he? I think I think this is this is where it'll end up, and his show will be a, a roaring success. Um, which is good. Do you think he'll get a comedy sidekick? I've got two. Why do you think Tony will get one? I think maybe Billy might appear every so often, but Billy. but that'll be about it. Do you think he'll give him a funny? Lance, 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 Lance be good could be involved, or maybe if Harold's done his part-time job in the fucking, <laughs> he might come and do a bit. I don't know. Caitlin is now at the swimming pool working there. Um, she's in a bit of trouble with the boss. Uh, something to do with scamming judges. I think we've missed those parts, uh, but it just means that uh, Simon, who is a boss, who is her boss, is just being pretty much just a dick to her constantly and constantly are. Uh, but her boss, Simon, has also brought a, a coach along as well, a guy called Josh Hughes, who is very hunky, I'm going to say. He is the he is what I'm looking for in a man, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> but Adam, Adam doesn't seem to be impressed by him at all there. No, I didn't really, didn't really register on my on my radar, to be honest with you. He was, he was there. Well done. Well, Caitlin becomes absolutely obsessed with him. Uh, and we, him. We, yeah, she loves him instantly. And just as Sarah got ogled before by uh, Kim, uh, Caitlin spends a good 20 seconds just ogling Josh. See, and, and I can say, I really like that. And this is one of the beauties of Neighbours because it could have been, oh, we're just looking at Sarah. She's an attractive woman. Make her the eye candy sort of thing. No, they put the spin on it and it's gone the other way now. And it's Caitlin all over this Josh guy. So I commend Neighbours on the on uh, doing that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's really good. Well done, Neighbours. Not like some you know, podcasting hosts who would be completely just over Sarah all the time. Okay, we get it. <laughs> They've done it both ways, which is nice to see. Yeah. I think I'd be all over Josh too, to be honest. Sounds like it. <laughs> so, Caitlin, after very little time of just, like, barely, not even really having a conversation, is like, I need to ask him out. I need to ask him out. And then just goes and asks him out straight away. Just interrupts the conversation that he's having with uh, with with Simon, and just ask him out. Uh, so they go on a date that night. Uh, they go out to the the coffee shop. Uh, then Josh gets off for a bit because he needs to go see his mom. But he's like, "Let's have the second date a little bit later on in the night." So they go for a movie, and then they go back to the coffee shop to have some pizza as well. Um, Anne seems uh, very happy about this development. I think uh, Lance makes a, a point later on that maybe she's happy that Caitlin is moving on from Billy and that she's moving out of this picture now. Uh, and yeah, and by the by the by the end of episode three thousand nineteen, Josh and Caitlin are kissing. They're full on making out. Wet kisses galore, Tim. I know you love a wet kiss. It's weird context if no one remembers that small <laughs> reference from episode one. <laughs> Uh, at this point, I want to bring uh, forward an award. Uh, it's the thing I'd like to do every week. It's the No Context Neighbours Quote of the Week Award. Uh, and it goes to Caitlin for What a Spunk. <laughs> That's how she describes Joss, as What a Spunk. 
That's what they see, say in Australia, though. That's all, that was always a thing. I remember that being a thing when I watched all this shit the first time round. Spunk means hunk in neighbours speak. No, let's not, don't give it context. It, it's, the, it's the no context neighbours quote of the week award. Oh, sorry, I've just I've just sorted that out. For you. Don't, yeah, don't give it context. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one point it's I want to bring ridiculous up. Ridiculous sound. <laughs> I, I will eventually get a jingle for that as well. Uh, one thing I want to bring up, though, is that Caitlin is very shy for a girl who just a week ago locked a boy in the shower alone. She's very, very nervous around Josh and very, very shy all of a sudden. Is I don't, I, I don't understand why she's, she's gone from one to the other. Has she been hurt by the Billy experience? Has she decided that that's not the way to go about getting a boy? Uh, have the writers just completely forgot about what happened last week and, and moulded her personality around what the story needs. What do we think? Nah, she, she's just more comfortable with Billy and she was in this weird kind of position of almost control over that. Where, I don't know, is Josh older? Uh, maybe a year or two older, yeah. Maybe that's it then. It's just a, it's a dynamic thing. It's just a, uh, yeah. If, if she looks down on Billy in some way, then she doesn't fear him as much. Okay. Adam, what are your thoughts on Josh? He seems to be pushing this very fast. What do you think his, uh, what do you think his motives are? Do you think his agenda is? Um, I think so far, I mean, I can only say, I'm the team. I can only say what I, what I see, obviously. Um, but I think so far, I think he's been, he's been all right with her because he's kind of said, you know, you don't need to be nervous. Let's let's just get a pizza. Let's go let's go to the uh, cinema or whatever. I think he's been all right with her so far. However, I think because he is a year or two older, I think because she is so a bit shy and obviously likes him a lot, I think he'll, he's not daft. I think he'll probably realise this and maybe a little bit down the line, not just yet, I think he might um, try and stick it in when he shouldn't. <laughs> well, he's, <laughs> well he's, he's only around for a while, so there's, there's a window and it's closing every second. So there's a window he could stick it through then. <laughs> I, I just think, I think it'll be all right, but I, I don't overly trust, trust the guy, if I'm being honest. I hope I'm wrong because I think, like what Tim was saying before, with his ideas about why Caitlin's a bit like this with him, I think it's been quite a bit of a face turn for Caitlin recently. She's obviously very pleased that Ben's got him, got better. She seems to be trying to be just friends with Billy and Anne and that lot, and then they've give, they've made her bit seem a bit shy and nervous and that because he's quite endearing, um, and I think I think it's a bit of a face turn. So I think what they've done is they've turned her quite quite big face so that when he tries it on in a not very nice way we do um, fall on the side of Caitlin and are a bit sad and, and worried for her that's how I feel I don't know how you feel about it yeah no I feel that's a pretty good prediction uh, one other point I want to bring up so when Anne and Caitlin are choosing outfits because Caitlin is, is borrowing one of Anne's outfits Lance uh, suggests an outfit can you remember what you suggested Adam since you watched this well, he, he says it just as an off-the-cuff off kind of remark, but then he thinks, actually, yeah, that's the best outfit. He says the word nude. Yeah, That is what he, he says. Su- <laughs> he says, suggests to Caitlin, why nude. don't you just turn up nude to this date? Fair enough. Do, you think, do you think that's a good idea, turning up nude to a date? 
Depends what you want. What if you want pizza? Probably not. Although, I mean, if you've only got white clothes, you're not going to, yeah, your skin doesn't stain. Your skin's a lot more washable than white clothes. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Also, uh, one last question. Anchovies on pizza, yes or no? Anything on pizza. Anything on pizza. I don't think I've ever tried anchovies on pizza. I know it's like a thing, but I, I, I don't think I've ever tried it. Personally, I'm not a fan of any sort of fish on a pizza. Uh, I don't like tuna on a pizza. Tuna. Oh, no, that's no, no, absolutely not. Or sweet corn. No. Uh, we're going we're gonna to skew away from the obvious debate everyone has about pizza because we're above that. We don't do the obvious. We do a Neighbours Rewatch podcast. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to move on to the final storyline. It's kind of two storylines, but they kind, of, they kind of mesh together. So I'll talk about one. So... Harold, I'm assuming Manchester's had some sort of surgery at this point. She's in hospital. We mi- we've missed a bit here, haven't we? Because we've, we've missed we a saying, bit. We were saying last time that, oh, what's going to happen? She was still keeping it from Harold that her brain was going to explode. It looks like she's been in and had the surgery because she is um, recuperating in hospital still, but she does seem to be all right. She is on um, some sort of medication and Harold has come to visit her, as obviously he would. Um, and it looks like it's their anniversary. Yeah, so there's balloons everywhere. But they're celebrating. They're eating cake as well. Uh, it, seems very revitalised as well. Uh, so maybe they've had a nice little heart-to-heart as well. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're eating cake. Uh, Harold goes outside to, to get rid of the cake because they finished it and dispose of the plates and the, the plastic cutlery, etc. cetera. Um, the nurse gives Mash and Talent. She's like, oh, I'll take them in a bit, don't Harold comes back in, the fucking idiot that he is. He's like, oh, I've got a bit of a headache. Have you got any tablets? Oh, yeah, they're just on the side. So he picks up the tablets that are in a little medication, those little cups that you get, and fucking next these two tablets. That were Madge's. I don't know what, I don't know what tablet she's getting after that surgery. Um, but, yeah, he, he ends up taking them, and he ends up having to fall asleep. So they're putting him in a bed outside in the corridor. <laughs> I quite like that because I thought, oh no, he's going to take these tablets. He's driving home. He's going I to thought that's where they were going to. He's going to be, he might die this week. It's going to be horrendous. No, turns out he's a little bit sleepy. So <laughs> while he's still in the hospital, Madge realizes this. She's like, you fucking idiot. And he's like, no, <laughs> and they just put him in the bed next, like in the next room to match where he has a nap for a few hours. And then he's all right again. I thought, good, because I couldn't have handled any more drama. No, I think the drama's coming in something later on, which we'll, we'll get to. Uh, also, when Harold wakes up, he does the, the, the uh, WWE Undertaker thing where he just rises straight up out of the bed. Like You don't see him in shot, and then he just rises up. Like he's risen for the dead. Uh, does the big comedy yawn as well. Uh, one point I do bring about this is, so Harold goes outside to get rid of the plates and the cutlery. And he comes back in and goes, there's no bins. What there's no bin. There's no bins in, in a fucking hospital. hospital. There's no bins. What the fuck? Where are they putting all like the, I don't know, used up lungs Sorry. and things like that? <laughs> 
Come on, there's bins in an hospital. You'd even drop it in like the the like medical waste if you were carrying around a few plates of cake. It felt very strange that there's no bin in the hospital. Mental. Like this is this is very much before recycling, so I'm not expecting you know separate bins for shit, but I'm at least expecting one bin just to put general shit in. And there's not a fucking bin in this hospital at all. <sighs> Uh, so this kind of segues into the Paul storyline a little bit. This is really is a fucking D storyline. Uh, so Paul's got a job delivering papers, as every young teenager does. Uh, but he just can't, he can't get his fucking head around this at all. So Hannah, walk, Hannah Martin walks past and offers to help him for free, just for free, because he has really hasn't got a fucking clue. He's like, I've got these papers. I need to deliver them. I don't know how... I don't know how to get A to B. Uh, so Hannah helps him. We get a nice little delivery montage, which I think is pretty fun. I think it's always nice when a TV show does a montage and we get a nice little delivery montage here. Uh, Hannah delivers all her papers, but Paul still hasn't, he's, he's barely delivered any. So Hannah has a little go at him. and was like, right, you need to get out and deliver him. And he's like, oh, but it's, it's raining. Uh, so... <laughs> He goes out, he rains, his wheel falls off his little delivery trolley. Uh, so he thinks, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to shove all the, all the papers down the drainage of the street. <laughs> and literally, I'm talking, a, I'd say at least 80 papers. <laughs> he just fucking shoves them down the fucking drainage, uh, which comes back to bite him later on, as because it, a storm is coming. Uh, and it's blocked up all the drainage, so the street starts flooding. And the, the, the flooding, the drainage people, the water guy, whatever you want to call them, he's onto, he's onto Paul. He knows that he's live, and he wants a word with him. But Paul just fucks off. He's like, no, I'm not hanging around for this. I, I, and he fucks off to the coffee shop. He's like, I'm just going to hide out in the place where my adoptive parents work, because no one's going to find me there. And... Um, <sighs> What the fuck is wrong with Paul? What the fuck is wrong with this kid? Well, the, the main thing here is, like you say, like, it's delivering newspapers. Like, you get the paper, and yeah, I don't even know if they have to, like, they haven't got letterboxes even on the doors. Like, you could just throw it on the garden or. No, some have letterboxes at the end of their garden. Yeah, at the end of the drive. So you don't mm. even have to walk up people's drives. You just kind of post it in the little thing at the end. I don't understand what he thinks the job entails. Like you're a newspaper boy, just give give people the newspapers. Hannah seems to have fucking smashed it, like in no time. What's the problem? Um, although she says my dad's got a news agent, so I know what I'm doing. Again, it's not hard. <laughs> like if I was gonna throw all the papers away, because you can't be asked whatever. Don't do it on your fucking street down the drain. Just put them in a bin. Maybe there was no bins. That seems to be a problem. <laughs> I don't know. Just get a bin, stick them all in. Like, no, it's not going to cause any problems at all. Like, I don't know what his problem is. But then, I, I, like, I'm saying that. I'm giving Paul a hard time there. But then I also thought Hannah was a bit of a dick because Hannah said, oh, I'll help you because I'm bored. All of a sudden, she don't want to help him anymore. Like, don't, don't say you're going to help a friend out and then fuck off when he finds it a bit difficult. Like, and then she says something like, oh, I said I'd cook my dad tea. Fuck off. You said you'd help him out with the papers, and she fucks off halfway through. 
I, no, I, think like she, I, I think she's perfectly in her rights there. I think she's trying to give a bit of tough love to Paul. She's like, listen, it's not that fucking hard. You deliver papers. I've done it. Get the fuck back out there and deliver the papers. I think she's trying to give her a bit of tough love. Uh, but Paul doesn't respond to that at all. Uh, why? One more point I want to bring up, and, and Tim, I'll ask, I'll ask your thoughts about this. Why have two senior citizens in Harold and Madge, who are in the late 60s, early 70s, why have they adopted a teenager? Why is this a, why has this happened? Why is this a good idea? Why do they think they can raise a teenager who can't figure out how to put paper in a post box? I can't remember the beginning of this, but but I, I do remember there being a bit more to it than just like a random decision. Didn't he come? He ended up in their lives somehow. And then it was it was one of those kind of storylines. Also, I think I don't remember. Obviously, they were, but just from my perspective, I don't remember feeling like they were that old and whether it's just a general kind of soap attitude that everyone's kind of youthful, even when they're old. I don't know. Um, I think he got lost. I literally think they found him one day. He was just walking around the street and they're just like, should we keep him? It could have been something like that. (laughs) It could have been something like that. I I think that there was something though. I mean, if there's obviously this has happened in the past, it might be worth Googling at some point just so we can find out out of curiosity. I feel like maybe maybe the like maybe the knew his mum or something, or there was some sort of relationship there, and then he didn't have anywhere to go, so they mm. ended up taking him in, sort of thing. I mean, I think they've been like good Samaritans with the whole thing. And yeah, I get I reckon they are probably about 60, but remember, like they do like they're still working, they're not retired, they still own the coffee shop, and they still like and Madge is always a bit feisty anyway, isn't she? And like do you know what I mean? I feel like they're pretty clued up. And they had a lot of kids themselves. Well, don't no, I don't think it was Harold and Madge that had the kids, but Madge is Kylie Minogue's mum, isn't she? So it's like stuff like that. She has had kids herself. She does hang around. Like, she runs a coffee shop where a lot of the kids hang out. I feel like... I feel like he's, he's in a good place, but he does seem like a fucking idiot. I don't know. <laughs> One of the major storylines, or I think what is going to be a major storyline coming out of this, is this storm. There is a storm happening. Uh, It kind of bleeds across every storyline. Harold's stuck in hospital because he fucking took those stupid pills and fell asleep. Uh, People are stuck at home. People are stuck in the coffee shop. Uh, This storm is going to fuck someone up. Who is this storm going to fuck up? Because you don't have this storm without it doing damage to someone. Who do you think okay. he's going to fall well, foul of the storm? I think, and, and you can, is the, I don't know if it's going to be um, someone falling foul of it. However, I think it will lead to Carl and Sarah getting stuck together in some way. So I think either um, the power goes out and something happens, she comes round, he goes round to see her because something something and it'll put them two together in a very sexual situation intimate which is my favorite kind of situation 
there'll be plenty of wine because Susan has got that fridge stocked up with wine. So there'll be plenty of wine to drink. Uh, and we all know, we know all about wine. So and what, and what happens when you drink wine? It's been well documented on this podcast. Um, okay. Uh, Jeff is going to move in and help re- rehabilitate Ben. How do we think that's going to go? Is he going to get, is he going to get a, a house on Ramsey Street? Is there one available? I still think this was um, that this might be connected to the little memory that I had last week, where someone puts a a video of the crash in front of him, and he freaks out a little bit, and it's kind of an, an ill advised way of trying to help him. Okay, you think Jeff's gonna like tie him to a chair, like prize his eyes opens, and just make him rewatch this video constantly. But I don't think it's that that brutal. But <laughs> Not too late. I've already down to him. That's what you predicted. <laughs> I'm sure that happens at some point. How many episodes are you skipping this time? Uh, only two. Only two episodes. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, we might get to see that then. Uh, do you think Kim is going to try it on with Susan at any point? I'm only hearing Kim as a girl's name. I know he's not, but it's more enjoyable this well, way. That's the that's the confusion. Because Carl is here. I think, I think, yeah, but not in like an over the top, really, like, not really. I think he might just kind of maybe move in a little bit during a, one of their meals or something like that. I don't think it's going to be a big thing, but I think Susan will be like, whoa, flattered, but spoken for straight away. Mm-hmm. Then she's going to reject Whereas it. Carl, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same episode where it's the, it's happening in both places, but Susan's like, well, actually, no, thank you, I'm married. Whereas Carl thinks they're getting it on in some way. So he thinks, right. Sarah's retaliation, right. retaliation, Chad. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, and one of the prediction, the moped, Libby's moped, is that... <laughs> Is that going to lead anywhere? Is there going to be a, a Libby moped crash at some point? I bet the moped's got an evil twin, and the evil twin steps in, and that's the one that ends up in a crash. That is a good prediction, Tim. I'm not going to write that one down, though. <laughs> I think there might be a bit of a... Mate, uh... Do you think it's more of a sleeper, that one? Do you think that's yeah, something that's going to come a lot later on? Yeah. It's a Chekhov's gun thing, though, isn't it? You don't have the, the moped there if you're not going to do something with it. Exactly. Do you think neighbors plan the how how long term do you think neighbors plan these storylines? Do you Doesn't think they have like planning. a year planned out? It I don't know. I'm sure they do a lot of planning, but something like that doesn't necessarily need the planning. I, you put that the moped in there and then you know it's there, so you can come back to it at some point. And there was a little thing about, I think Carl said, when when he when they were having a bit of an argument, he said, oh, we could have gone in together and bought her a car. So there isn't a car, it's a moped. And that there's that kind of thing where him and Darren fell out because he got her the moped and that. Carl doesn't really like the moped. So I think something will happen with the moped and it'll lead to a Darren versus Carl face-off. Um, and something will happen. More, it'll be more between them. I think everyone will be fine. I think it'll just leave maybe a small accident, maybe. 
Um, but I think it'll lead to a Darren versus Carl event. And I feel like this may be where Carl gets his manhood back because I think he's feeling very emasculated at the moment. He's not getting any sex off season. He's suspicious of this Kim guy. Uh, he's trying to block Sarah out of his mind. Uh, I think this is where Carl returns to full manhood and absolutely fucking puts Darren back down into his place where he belongs. Cool. Hey so, that is predictions. Uh, so as you said, episodes 3,021 to 3,023 we'll be watching next and we'll be reviewing those next week. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, at WatchNeighbor. Um, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Uh, we've watched some good neighbours. Adam, Tim, you've been good friends. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.